0: Let's turn to the book of uh, uh, Luke. Luke chapter twenty-four and verse twenty-five to twenty-seven. Jesus was uh, uh, Jesus died, and uh, he was buried, and he was resurrected on the third day, Sunday morning. Some of the ladies went to the tomb. They didn't see Jesus. They had a spectacular encounter with some of the angels. They came and talked to Peter and all the apostles. Some of the apostles they were frightened. It's that's a scene, you know. So they were confused, and then see Jesus. So two of the disciples, one's name was Cleopa. Uh, um, he was walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Then Jesus also walking with them and talking with them and asking questions. What are you talking about? Uh, any help? Okay, thank you. He putting some cream on my face, you know. <laughs> I could have done that before, you know. So I, Yeah, is it? It's okay now. Okay. Camera. Ready, action. <laughs> so, um, Jesus was communicating and asking them, what are they talking about? I can hear there's a, lots of discussion going on. What are they talking about? Then they sadly s- uh, communicated, we are talking about Jesus of Nazareth. Oh, oh well, what happened to him? Jesus asking the question, what happened? Oh, you know, he, he was uh, crucified and he, he died on the cross. And he said, he's going to be resurrected. He, he's, coming, he's going to come out. Um, but this morning, some of our ladies went to the tomb, but nothing happened there. It's completely empty, especially when ladies say something, according to our culture, we don't give some sort of um, uh, relevance to that kind of things, you know. So I'm talking about that time, not this time. Um, uh, uh, so they were really upset. They're really sad. After that, Jesus was responding um, amazingly with a loving word. Foolish! Such an encouragement, you know. We, you're already depressed. You're already sad. Supposed to give some sort of encouraging words, but Jesus said, "Foolish." Cultural context. We need to understand that one. Um, In Eastern culture or Asian culture, if a person is strongly rebuking you with a a word, probably that's in this dictionary, Um, so people won't respond the same way because they won't take it offensively. The reason, when somebody communicating some sort of strong word like fool, you're mad kind of things, that means we are wrong. He knows something else. That's the better response. He'll say, how dare you talk to me? You know, so that's the response. You know, it may be in a Western response it might be offensive or rude, but in Eastern culture, a, a, an, an adult or someone saying something offensive strongly, that means something is coming. He knows something beyond our understanding. So he's going to say something, so it's better to listen to that one. So that's the way they respond. That's why they, they, they didn't punch Jesus' face or anything. All foolish ones, how slow, hard to believe all that the prophets have spoken. That's verse 25 to 27. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into glory? They're asking a question. It's, it's, it's not a random thing. These things happen according to the plan of God. According to the purpose of God. It is scriptural. It is there. It's already foretold. But you you missed that one. So he's trying to bring two things. Christ should suffer these things. I'm going through ESV. You're listening. You're looking at NIV. So if you're missing some words, don't accuse me. Both are very much recognized translations. Um, Should suffer these things and enter into his glory. The word, his glory, that means it's all about him. He is the sender. He has a master plan. So suffering, part of his master plan, not only that, through that suffering, he saved many people. He died for many. He died for everyone. Not only that, to enter into his glory. Verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things Concerning himself Can we think oh i missed that opportunity the interpretation received by the word of god jesus Interpreted now Time has passed now. He sent the spirit to us, you know He's the best interpreter He can interpret the same scripture amazingly wonderfully More than we ask or imagine because the Spirit of God is here. We didn't miss that one. We are so privileged. We are so honored. We are so blessed to have the Holy Spirit in us so we can understand the same scripture in the same way because it is interpreted by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Historically, we can see Jesus through the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, And you can see some bits in Acts also. So mainly concerning about Acts is mainly the beginning of the church. So historically, if you want to see Jesus historically, the best place you can look, you can read historical books. Another historical book is the Bible. It contains history. So you can see that one. Then, theologically, you can see Jesus through the epistles. You know, Acts you can still see, but all the epistles you can see theologically what God is talking, what is uh, what is the meaning of the, uh, 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 the baptism, why we are getting baptized, what is the meaning of the uh, the communion, why we are breaking bread, these kind of things. The theological theological righteousness, justification. Don't worry, these are big words, uh, but the, we can see that in the epistles. Then we go to. Uh, a revelation what can we see there eschatologically uh, uh, we can see jesus there you know uh, in uh, the eschatological evidence is there revelation if you read you can see uh, that the eschatology means something the things in the past and then the future things are to come then if you want to see jesus prophetically you need to go back to the scripture the old testament that's the way, when you look back to the scripture, all the Old Testament, Torah, the Moses wrote, the five books, and the Isaiah, and the, and the Psalms, and all kind of things. When you look back, you can see the prophecy related to Jesus. So this together, Bible is not two books, it's one book. It's divided into two parts. It's all about him from beginning to end, it's all about talking uh, about Jesus. When you read Matthew, you can see that one. You can see a big genealogy. Jesus, he's starting from Abraham. Okay, Abraham, uh, you know, so I'm not going to say that one. In Kerala, there's a boy in my church. He can, he knows by heart Mark Matthew 1. He knows by heart. But um, one of the persons I know, he got saved by reading Matthew 1. Can you believe that? I asked him, how did you impact that one? Okay, this person uh, was born from this person, this person. Then he was saying, God is so concerned about people's name, you know. He's writing their name and he's writing their families, you know. I don't know any religious books. They are so much concerned about people's families' names. So that means God is personal. So that spoke to me. I got saved. Amazing, you know, the way God spoke in different verses. Luke was starting from Adam. He was maybe a bit more advanced, you know. So he he went to Adam. He started from Adam, you know. So, okay, so, or maybe there's, okay, Matthew started from Abraham. I'm going to start from Adam. But no, it was God's plan. Uh, God wants to explain things in uh, an amazing way. Peter is saying something. He experienced Jesus very personally. So, what are the things I'm trying to communicate this morning, I like to give it some sort of outline, then you will know where I'm going. So, even if you feel lost, you can cling to that kind of things. Yes, that was he was preaching. Um, I'll go to one slide, the slide number uh, one, then you can see that one. So, we are looking Jesus through the Old Testament. We are not covering everything. Then, second phase, we will be looking the Passover lamp. So we will be talking uh, uh, part of the Old Testament uh, prophecies and everything. Through that, we are next. Up we are going to the bigger picture: what God is doing, where God is taking us. And um, through uh, the next, the last one is truth and relevance. This is all part of uh, uh, the kingdom of God and His Scripture, and why it's relevant to us, why it's meaningful to us. This is the thing. So you can see, we will try to finish by finishing by two o'clock. Amen. Oh, give me hallelujah shouting praise the Lord, you know. Amen. Oh, I can have one amen, you know. You can stay back, I'll preach till two (laughs) o'clock. Okay, so this is the main thing we are going to cover this one. Peter, two Peter, chapter one, verse 16 to 19. Peter experienced this amazing walk with God, and some people ask, what do you think about personal experience with Jesus? We didn't get the opportunity. When we came to the church, Jesus already gone. He already died. You guys said he was resurrected. He's gone and all kind of things. You you were really lucky guy because you got the opportunity to be with Jesus. Then Peter's explanation was very different. He said, "Yes, we experienced that." To Peter chapter 1 verse 16 to 19. This all introduction. Okay, because some of you missed last time. So that's what I'm saying. Then I'm thinking, when when is he going to start? Okay. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitness of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from god the father and the voice of born to him by the majestic glory this is my beloved son with whom i'm well pleased we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven for we were with him on the holy mountain we were with him we saw that we experienced that we didn't read from a historical book or it's not a false story or something, we were there, we literally experienced what we are talking now and we have something more sure so he is clinging or he is trying to communicate something more relevant than his personal experience what is that? the prophetic word to which you will do well to pay attention as to the lamp shining in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. So Peter is encouraging, okay, don't just believe Jesus on the basis of your personal kind of nice feeling experience, Beyond that something, this is something foreplanned. This is something foretold. This is the bigger picture of God. We are not not talking about the small historical time we live with Jesus. No, beyond that. So guys, don't just think, I missed the chance. No, you are experiencing greater thing because it's already spoken in the prophetic word. That is why we are emphasizing on the old testament we are looking uh looking back how many of you heard the word in media res i'm indian forgive me if i didn't phrase properly so if some some people again and again say i'm not understanding you i usually say i'm indian no english so that's the way i escape from that kind of responsibility you know so i don't know how long i can use that one maybe till i die in media rest, that means some films start with kind of, uh, the final episode or the, or the climax. Then they will go back and tell the story. Is alright? Am I, am I correcting? Uh, British agree with my? Okay, thank you. Uh, this is the way we are seeing when we are looking back, uh, to the scripture. That's the way we are seeing because we are in the middle uh, portion. Let me go to one of the pictures. Maybe if I can show you, uh, picture number one. Maybe that will try to explain a bit. Uh, 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 okay. So two circles. Oh, that's the one. Okay. If you look at the circle, the A I will consider as, uh, the, the, uh, the Old Testament kind of things. And the C is there. We are in the middle. We are in the overlapping. All say end times. Okay, Bible says end times. So when we are talking about Jesus, we are standing at B, the position of B. Then we are looking back to the A level, you know, just like a a word already spoken, what God is saying, and we are trying to say. So because we already experienced, we already enjoyed the climax, not the full climax. It's only coming, the second coming of God. But uh, the work has been finished. The cross the the death and the resurrection, the salvation, and the, all the prophetic uh, um, words were spoken in the Old Testament being revealed at B point. So when we are standing there, this morning we are looking back to A and we are looking towards the C. We are in the middle, so we are in, in media rest. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 14 to 16 Old Testament people struggled to understand What was the prophets trying to say? They thought that was about Moses. They thought that was about Joshua That was about Nehemiah. So they were were thinking this is the time. They thought okay. Well, that was about David They thought this is it. This is it. Then Jesus came then thought okay in words and words and his deeds He was powerful he was different from all other prophets. This is the time. So they are seeing each person looking for some sort of redemption. Yes, God offered. God promised a redemption. They were looking. But many times they missed what actually God was trying to say. They missed the bigger picture. Why? Verse 14 says, But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the old covenant, talking about torah or the old testament the same veil remained unlifted because only through jesus is it taken away because whenever they read they can't make sense you know so well, they know that something is coming so because they didn't understand the relevance the bigger picture they always thought it's all of, it's all about me it's all about us this is all about the kingdom of Israel. It's all about the special people of God. Oh, we are chosen. We are redeemed. Oh, not like us. We are not like Egyptians. We are not like uh, 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 the people of Nineveh. We are not like uh, Samaritans. We, we are different. We are chosen people. They always thought it's all about them. So they never got the bigger picture. So here Paul trying to communicate our situation is different. When we look at the scripture, we are looking in a different way because we are seeing the majestic, glorious, amazing, redemptive purpose through the cross. So I'm standing with Jesus, then I'm looking back. Wow, I can see it because it was all about Jesus. It was his plan. It was his plan. Verse 15, yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, so whenever Moses is read means the Torah, okay, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, the five books, and the books written by Moses. Read, a veil is lies over their heart. Even now, if you talk to a Jew, they can't understand. They can't understand the Messiah because... You, you can under, you can't, it's impossible. Without Jesus, without experiencing the love of God, without experiencing the salvation from Jesus, it is impossible for you to understand the meaning of life. The morality of life. The destiny. It won't make any sense. You are just an animal. But when you are with Jesus, when you are understanding the redemptive plan of God, you will understand I'm created in His image. I'm created in His likeness. I'm created for a plan. I'm created for a purpose. I have a master. I have a creator. So I have a meaning. I have a morality. I have a destiny. I'm going towards that because my Savior lives. So you can understand that one. Thank God. Praise God. Praise God. We got that privilege. It's by the grace of God. We are thankful, thankful to God for that one. This morning, this preaching can go into two different directions. For some of us, it can go as information. At the same time, when we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit, when we ask God, no, God, I don't want information. I want to be formed. I want to be transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Then it will work for the formation of your life. So information or formation, that's two things always happens in a preach. So that's why, uh, that is the reason why I encourage whenever you feel God is speaking to you, you can respond then and there. When you read the scripture, one thing we need to always remember, it's all about him. It's not about us. It's not about religious rules. It's not about how many times you read Bible. It's not about times, how many times you go to house group. It's not about doing religious activity. It's all about him and personal relationship with God. The Bible is a book written for us, but it's not about us. It's written for us. But we are included in that sovereign plan. We are part of it. But the center of the Bible, the Bible is all about Jesus. If it is all about Jesus, it makes sense for us. We know that we are created by his image and likeness. When I was with the students uh, on a couple of weeks back, with the students, uh, students weekend away, not weekend away, weekend in, uh, when we were here i was i was sharing um, then uh, that morning so i was sharing then one of the scriptures that came to mind uh, some pharisees or some of the people uh, brought some coins before jesus and asked is it uh, uh, is it right to give tax to uh, to the to the government to the caesar jesus asked okay uh, they didn't bring a coin jesus asked them to bring a coin okay what kind of uh, uh emblem what do you call that one what kind of uh, symbol on that uh, on that coin then they said it's it's caesar's okay then jesus said okay give to caesar what belongs to caesar and give to god what belongs to god unfortunately they didn't ask the question back they're supposed to ask the question what belongs to god if they ask the question jesus would have said that is you That's you. In his image, in his likeness, your life is created by his plan and his purpose. They missed the chance. Maybe they already know the answer, so they don't want to be in trouble. They missed that question. So they didn't ask the question. If they ask that question, Jesus said, your life, the symbol, the image in you, that's from God. So give what belongs to God. Give back. Let's go through some of the redemption uh, 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 pictures. Let's go to uh, slide number 2 and slide number uh, 3. No, slide please. (laughs) Not picture. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, When we are listening to the scripture, sometimes we can ask a question, what is this scripture saying to me? What is this scripture saying to me? But the best way to ask the scripture is slide number three. Ask the question, what does this scripture say to me about God? What is actually talking about God? It's not about me. When you read David, you you can say, I'm like David. When you're talking about Joseph, I'm like Joseph. Even there are trials, even there are temptations, even there are Tough times, I can reign and rule over all circumstances than we are by the grace of God. But actually, Joseph was a good story. Joseph was actually pointing towards to Jesus. A man rejected by his brothers. A man rejected by his family. A man was sold out to someone. But God raised him and placed him in the right side of the Pharaoh. And placed him to rule and reign. So Joseph say, it's not about me. It's not about me. I'm pointing towards someone. That is Jesus. He's coming. When he died, he was raised on the right side of the Father. God placed him. So, every character in the Bible always pointing, someone coming, someone coming, is coming, coming. is pointing towards Jesus. Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, we can see that. Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. You can see in the book itself. Something is starting, pointing towards Jesus. I won't explain everything, but I will go step by step. I'd like to spend a bit more time in the area of Passover. Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. When people uh, uh, sinned, and God, Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin. God made it. We missed. Adam must. Eve missed the whole creation was messed because of fall but god made the garment again the the step the initiative always came from god it's not from us god did that therefore they were naked so god covered them with a the skin to covered their shame and god was pointing towards especially there was mentioning about a skin that means Someone was someone died there An animal died there. Otherwise without killing an animal it's impossible to get a skin So that is pointing to uh, towards some redemptive story. You are covered because something else died there You are not naked because someone paid the price pointing towards to the bigger picture Abraham and Isaac Genesis 22 some, for some of us, it is impossible to understand the meaning. How dare God can give us the son to, to kill? You know, is it a cruel God? It's insane. In an individualistic culture, it's impossible for us to understand what actually God is trying to communicate. So we need to go back to the context. We need to go back to the Middle Eastern culture. What is the reason God was asking Isaac, the firstborn, or the eldest or the firstborn of that house? In a Middle Eastern culture, firstborn represents everything for that family. Their pride, their success, inheritance, business, everything that's on the firstborn. So when a firstborn is successful, that the whole family is successful. For us it's different. In a family itself, you can have a Labour Party supporter at the same time. Wife might be uh, with a uh, uh, with conservative, you know. So the other one, the child, uh, the son is with the uh, Lib Dem. So someone the the the, uh, the daughter is with the Green Party, you know. So in a house, you can harmoniously live without any explosion. Oh, there might be some explosion, but it, it it's not going to cause any trouble. But but in an, in Eastern culture, it is impossible. If you are a hindu the whole family is hindu if you are a christian the whole family is christian If you are supporting communism the whole family will support that's the way things work If the family is running restaurant most of the people will go as a restaurant running people Nothing wrong. That's the way culture works. So when god asked Isaac to be sacrificed gee god was not not just asking for isaac. He was asking for the whole family we think, oh, little one. No, he was 20 plus years. I was researching how, how old he was. He was not a little lad. You know, already Mark explained that kind of thing. So I'm not going to go there. So God asked, sacrifice your son. That means not just that son. It's all of it. I want your whole family. Are you willing to give your whole family for my plan? That was the question. Sometimes we can think, The relationship between, because of our individualistic um, mindset. God told him, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. At the time of sacrifice... He asked a question. Dad, we have wood, we have everything. Where is the lamb? So God will provide. God will provide. I think even Isaac understood what they were talking about. Otherwise, he could have run away, you know. He knows. Culturally, he understood the context. This is not about individual, it's all about family. They always put family first. Than individual effort. So that is why we do struggle kind of things. Oh it's insane. It's impossible. But we should understand the context. Isaac about to kill. You know at that time. God stopped him. Then they found a lamb. And they sacrificed the lamb. Can you imagine. When they walked back. Isaac looked at the lamb. And said. He might have said. I'm alive. Because of the lamb. I'm walking back because, in my place, the lamb was slain. Not only Isaac, the whole family was saved or protected from death because someone paid the price. The lamb. You always remember, I'm alive when he's doing work. I'm alive because. The lamb, lamb, God was saying, pointing, Isaac is not about you. You are alive, not because of your religious activity, not because your dad was a good fighter, not because your dad was something special, because God placed a ram, a lamb, to die in your place. That is why you are alive. That always pointing towards a greater redemption. Galatians chapter 3, 14, before that. John the Baptist. Before going to that scripture, in John chapter one verse twenty-nine, don't, don't, you don't need to open that one. Just listen, John chapter one verse 20, twenty-nine. Jesus coming towards to John the Baptist, and he's saying, he's standing from there, behold, someone coming. He's saying, behold, someone coming. He's a lovely man. Now he was shouting. Look, I've been talking about someone. i that's him. Behold, he's coming. The Lamb of God who carries the sin of the whole world. Behold, the Lamb of God coming who takes away the sin of the whole world. He's coming. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 to 14. 3, 13 to 14. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us It is written cursed is everyone who is hanged on the tree So that in christ jesus the blessing of abraham might come to gentiles so that we might receive the promise promise spirit through faith It's a long preaching verse that one we can go for ages with that scripture. That's an amazing scripture that one but I need to finish at 2 o'clock. I need to go quickly. Less response. Yeah. It is clear from verse 13. You can look at the verse 13. And 14, where it says that Christ become a curse for us that we might have the blessing of Abraham. And since the blessing, according to verse 14, is the Holy Spirit that's the blessing sometimes people can think I will be blessed because I will get a car I will get a wife and I will get a good you know just they they can't go to material kind of things and say oh I'm blessed you know I'm not talking about some TVs I'm talking about people you know so I'm blessed because I, I don't have any trouble but actually God was talking it's the blessing the greatest blessing you can have is God in you Receiving God. He's having a personal relationship with God. He's, he's coming to live in you. I got Jesus. That means that is the greatest blessing I can have. The king of glory lives in me. The Holy Spirit, the curse made to be at least absence. Uh, that means the curse means absence of Holy Spirit. Blessing means presence of the Holy Spirit. Through his death, through his resurrection, Jesus sent his spirit into our heart to the church. So we are blessed. That's the definition of blessing. Material blessing is part of that. God will bless us. But the greatest thing is receiving Christ in us. Exodus 5.2. We are going to the main part. Exodus 5 2. Pharaoh said to, to Moses, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I don't know, Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. But in Exodus chapter 12, verse 20 to 24, before that God spoke to um uh, uh, God spoke to uh, uh, Moses, get ready that things are going to change. I could have read from the children's book. It's really good in in that kind of... uh, The the illustration is great. God already sent nine warnings. It's already nine warnings. They didn't believe that one. If you don't know the Moses story, don't worry. He was a, a pharaoh, refused to leave... Uh, the people of God, they didn't uh, let uh, let go And he was using Israelite people uh, uh, For his slavery Then God decided I'm going to set them free Okay, So here God is sending a man called Moses And asking him, you go and tell him I'm going to set them free What are you going to do? Then Moses called all the elders. Then God said, I send nine warnings. He's not going to obey. The last warning is coming. What is the last warning? The firstborn is going to die in that in the land. The Moses called all the elders of the Israelites and said to them, Go and select lambs for yourself according to your clans. That's verse uh, Exodus chapter 12, verse 12, 21 to 24. Take a bunch of uh, hyssop and dip in the blood that is in the basin and touch the uh, lintel and the two door, doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. This is applicable to everyone. For the Lord will pass through the strike the Egyptians and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorstops, the door. The Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your house to strike you. You shall observe this right as a stature for you and for your sons forever. Picture number, uh, uh, we are going to the picture number two. So nine strikes happened. Two guys are talking. God said, we should sacrifice a lamp and we put that, you know, at our doorsteps and stay inside. God said, no one goes out. Some people think, oh, it was just for uh, for the, 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 the Egyptians, you know. No, God said, not just for Egyptians. It is applicable for everyone. The destroyer is going to pass through all the houses. Not just for the Egyptian house. What does that mean? If you are not under the blood, if you are not marked by the blood, you will die. Sometimes Israel might think, "Oh, they are the bad boys, we are the good boys. Our God is dealing with the bad boys now. Now, Israel, you were messed with the idol worship of Egypt. You were sinful. Your Ten Commandments won't save you. Your Torah reading won't save you. Your, your sacrifices won't save you. Because the destroyer coming, only one thing you can save you. That's the blood of the Lamb of Lamb. That's the only thing you can save you. So do it. Sometimes people think, "Um, oh, that's quite insane. I can't understand that one." How many of you take polio drop for your kids? It's just a small drop. I can't see that one. I'm going to ignore that one now. When the government say, in order to protect immune, to get immunized from polio, just go and have a small drop. We don't do any research. Oh, let me start a lab and let me go through the drop. What are things there? Some materials are there. I don't like. No, you just go and even the baby's not opening. You will make it open. Not like that. Maybe be gentle. You know. <laughs> because you want to be immunized immunized so in the same way god is reminding if you want to be saved if you want to, to be away from the the wrath of god i'm using that word wrath of god because we mess one thing simple thing god is giving kill a lamb and put the blood you will be protected the night time things pass everywhere screaming and shouting the day morning people came out. The first one will say, not because of my religious activities, I was saved. A lamb was slain. That is why I'm alive. I'm alive because somebody prayed the price. It's pointing towards to Jesus. Let me finish. Slide number three. The Lamb saved them not only from freedom from Pharaoh, but saved from the wrath or the death or the destroyer because of their idol worship. Sometimes we think, oh, we came out from, from the idol worship or, or from Pharaoh. No. The Lamb saved them not only freedom from Pharaoh, saved from the wrath of God. There are two dimensions there. Slide number four, we are going. So the Exodus point beyond itself, a greater need of deliverance from the totality of evil and restoration of relationship with God. Such a deliverance was accomplished through Christ's death and resurrection. These are big verses. That's why I put on slide so you can read. Otherwise you think it's gone. So that's why I put the slide there so you can read that one. Dead sun or dead lamp. Dead son or dead lamb. Dead lamb means your son is alive. There's no option. Last supper. Jesus stood and took the bread. In a Passover table, bread, traditionally four cups of wine. An important thing is, what's the third thing? Lamb. Passover table without lamb, no, it's not a Passover table. He took the bread. This is my body. He took the wine. This is my blood. Where is the lamb? There's no lamb at the table. He said, set up a Passover table. But lamb is missing. He was saying, I'm going to slay, I'm going to die, I'm the lamb, but no need of a lamb there, I'm going to die for the sin of this world, through my death, people will receive freedom and out from eternal punishment, so God came down, his son came down and died in a place Through that, we can be free. Through that, we can be saved. It's only one thing. God is encouraging the lamb has slain. We are alive because Christ died for us. I'm going close now. Whenever Isaac walked past, I'm alive because of the Lamb. Whenever Moses walked past it, we are alive because of the Lamb of God. Israel will say, we are alive because of the sacrifice as an atonement. Now we will say, we are alive because Christ, the Lamb of God, died for us. You might have already heard this news. You already experienced that one. Praise God. But you never heard this one before. You never experienced this one before. I know now. I'm a sinner. I can't say myself. Jesus died for my sin. And he is saying. Only thing you need to do. Repent. And look to Jesus and say. Jesus you died for my sin. And your blood, your death can save me. Would you please come and come into my heart and give me the greatest blessing having you in my heart.